and it's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. Together, we'll dive into lively conversations. We're going to chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore those hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. I'm super excited for this topic. Um, to all of our audience out there, I am dying to actually be a listener um, as opposed to an interviewer because I want to know everything about crypto donations and We've got the expert here with us. I'm super, super excited to welcome Pat Duffy, co-founder of The Giving Block to Raise Nation Radio. Pat, welcome. I'm so glad that you were able to join the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's start where we should start by letting our audience just get to know you a little bit better, get to know the giving block a little bit better and just give us the 411. We'd, we'd love to get a little bit more intimate and personal with you. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I'd like the foundational layer. We're just kind of like a, like a PayPal for crypto for nonprofits is like the way we explain the company at a baseline. Um, so we're a payments company, we just make it really easy for nonprofits to accept cryptocurrency built all the automations that like will automatically liquidate the crypto for cash when it hits automatically generate tax receipts a dashboard the pulls and donor data aggregates with the payment um so a solution provider for nonprofits we also do like custody solutions and help nonprofits invest through their endowment so all things technical solutions for nonprofits when it comes to crypto that's our baseline and then beyond that over the last four years or so we've been building out a lot of the connective tissue between donors and uh, nonprofits when it comes to crypto. So we built the equivalent of a, a GoFundMe for cryptocurrency where, you know, people go online, they try to find a place you can give Bitcoin to a charity. We're the main platform for that. Um, created the main giving days, Crypto Giving Tuesday, the Giving Tuesday Foundation, the industry giving pledge for crypto companies and individuals. Um, and then kind of a, a consultancy layer on top to help nonprofits build out cryptocurrency specific capital campaigns or uh, you know, plug crypto into their existing capital campaigns. Okay. That's a lot. I'm a little overwhelmed. A I think, yeah, I think <laughs> you're going to have to break it down for me, but, but before we do that, let's get to know you. So you're a co-founder, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. How did, how did you end up here to give us your backstory? We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. How did you, who's your co-founder, you know, who's your yeah. other partner in crime and how, how did you get here? Yeah, it's fine. Crypto is a lot like the nonprofit sector where everyone just falls into it. It seems like no one was like directly on a path, got a degree and landed exactly where they were aiming for. So I kind of fell into both at the same time. I was a pharmaceutical consultant or uh, a consultant for pretty much pharmaceutical companies, um, working with them on Capitol Hill, helped them run campaigns, plugged them with their lobbyists, ended up leaving that, going to a nonprofit as their integration director. And it was a management transition. So New CEO was coming in, they needed to figure out kind of department designs, what their fundraising priorities would be, but a lot of that strategy from scratch. So I got a really good crash course on just kind of how nonprofits operated, how to set fundraising priorities, what tools were, were most necessary for it. And that was the same year I started fundraising crypto, which is where my co-founder comes in, Alex Wilson. So he was the crypto guy. I was the nonprofit guy. He got me into trading. 
And then end of 2017, we saw this huge surge in the, the price of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And then for like a two to three week period, we saw hundreds of millions of dollars getting donated to 501c3s. So Whoa, wait, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, the, I mean, at this point, it's like billions of dollars that have been given through this donation method. There's like a few hundred million people using it. Um, but back then, it was probably, I don't know, at, at a max, maybe 80 million people um, in the user base. But a lot of money was getting donated. So working at a nonprofit, being into crypto trading, um, pretty much said, we need to get my nonprofit, one, set up to take it, and then two, actively get in front of these folks. Like no one's really targeting crypto users as a donor demographic versus just the donation method. So we just started doing interviews with nonprofits. <clears throat> so we just started sitting down with them, uh, going to people's offices, putting on a suit, asking them questions about their technical solution, how they're fundraising it, and there wasn't anything. So every nonprofit was using a different exchange account or a wallet provider, um, trying to kind of slapdash uh, technical solution together. And literally no one who got a crypto donation had actively fundraised it. So when we reached out to them and to give them crypto, which is extraordinarily rare, and then they had to kind of build a solution from scratch, update gift acceptance policy, take that one-time gift, and they kind of walked away from it. Um, so that's kind of how the, the company came together. Over 2018, we started as just a consultancy. We had a technical solution, which was our widget, but it was very basic. And we just went to all the nonprofits who received crypto gifts. And we were like, if we could actively get you in front of these folks, like yeah. start getting you in front of these people who are late 20s, early 30s, super high average income, financially literate, technically literate, very good major gifts type young prospect to be betting on. Would that be interesting? And uh, it's resounding. Yes. Yeah. It was like a dozen small nonprofits at first. First big win was Save the Children. Um, which kind of got us off and running. And then after that, we scaled over the next year from 12 to a little over 120 nonprofits. And now today we have uh, a little over 2,000 clients. Who wow. Yeah, so that's what's so interesting to me. Crypto giving kind of started out as a, a seed. I'm not sure exactly when, but it went from a seed to a forest, I feel like almost overnight, like it's one of the fastest growing um, type of giving that, that I've ever witnessed in my, you know, career in, in nonprofit. Um, wh why is that? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I, it's, it's like 2018, 2019, we, we grew really, the first couple of years was super, like it was a, a slog. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite, but there's a, a scene where he tries to feed lasagna to a llama and it's like trying to get its head out of the way. And we we always use that as an analogy for like us trying to get nonprofits into crypto. Um, <laughs> That's but a lot of it came, yeah. I mean, over the first couple of years, like we we coined the term crypto philanthropy in 2018 or 2019. We tried to give it kind of a category, an identity. Um, a, a lot of it just kind of came down to just like any other solution. People confuse, I think, education and expertise with what you really need is just intermediation solutions that make it easy to plug it in and turn it on. Um, so I think that was like the, the main bridge for us was actually just like creating tools that made it easy to just turn it on overnight and accept crypto gifts and just automate everything away. Um, and then the second piece would be active fundraising. So like the biggest mistake and the reason it didn't take off, crypto has been around for like 11 years at this point. Yeah. People forget how, how long it's People been People forget, here. yep. Yeah, the, the biggest barrier was nonprofits didn't actively fundraise it. So every crypto gift, they would take it and they would just sit there. And we met nonprofits who've been taking crypto since like 2013. 
And we're like, are you not getting crypto? They're like, no. It's like, how do you fundraise crypto? They're like, what do you mean fundraise? What do you mean fundraise? Yeah. We have I could hear that. Donation method. And it's like, that's wild. Think about like how uniquely young and wealthy and tax incentivized this exact population. Like, why would you not be targeting them actively? And I think that's really what unlocked it. Because once nonprofits saw that we had United Way worldwide and Save the Children, American Cancer Society, St. Jude, like running these big crypto campaigns, I think the nonprofit sector, that was the main thing where they saw that and they were like, oh, I guess we should be doing that. Yeah, I have a million questions for you. I don't even know where to start. I wish we had a couple of hours for this podcast. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about that that demographic. Why? You because you talked about tax implications. You talked about mm-hmm. some, you know, some some things that are very different than my dad, my my generation above me, my dad who gets out his checkbook, you know, writes a check puts it in an envelope, goes to the post office. We're talking a very different, a very different mindset. Why is it so attractive and what generation is it? Are we, what, what generation are we looking at or generations? Yeah. The, the first piece, why is it so attractive? It's, um, I guess like on paper, it's absurd to donate dollars. Like it doesn't make like mathematically it's, it's a, wild thing to be doing it would be like if you went to a baseball game and you try to buy a hot dog with like ford stock like you're triggering a taxable event for no reason you're exiting your investment position you have dollars that are getting printed every day and being inflated like so the supply is inflating so the value of your dollars is worth like you want to get the dollars out in a for-profit setting it's like Mm -hmm. you can move them faster there's no tax implications it's just like why would you be spending stocks it would never make sense but in the nonprofit sector the same is true for dollars versus what are called non-cash assets. The only difference is it's not easy to spend stocks, a house, a car, a boat. It's like, even if you're sending stocks somewhere, it's like you need to get a brokerage involved and there's transaction records that are very manual. Yeah, I heard that's Um, pretty complicated. Yeah, so so crypto is the first time you have a non-cash asset, so something other than dollars where you can donate it directly to a charity. And the reason it's the opposite of like spending dollars in a for-profit market is when you give a non-cash asset, stocks, crypto, house, car to a nonprofit, you don't pay taxes on it. So what that means at scale is like, if I have a million dollars in Bitcoin and a million dollars sitting in the bank, if I give the million dollars in Bitcoin to a charity, the charity gets the full million dollars. I get a full million dollar write-off and I never have to pay the $200,000 plus in taxes on it. So that million dollars, anywhere else I brought it in the world would be worth 800 grand. Mm-hmm. And I just made that worth a million dollars in a donation setting. It's like it, it absurdly tax incentivized. Yeah. It's... It's a 20% increase on my write-off on what the nonprofit receives. I never pay taxes on it. Um, so anytime you can give non-cash, so long as it's easy, it's, it's of course the only thing people would do if it were just as convenient as everything else. Crypto is the first time that's happened. Um, and then like, who are these people? It's late 20s, early 30s on average. Um, average income is like $111,000, which is higher than any city in America. Average gift size is 10500 bucks because of one, the tax incentive, and then two, it's the best performing asset over the last 10 years. So crypto has outperformed every other market um, in, in that it's gone up the most. Even with the, the recent drop-off, it's lost like 60% of its value um, from its peak, and it's still up more than everything else over the, the long term. Um, so they're just young uh, donors with uh, you know high financial literacy, 
uh, high tactical literacy, very active online, large gift size because of their appreciated assets and you're hitting them as they answer kind of their peak earning years. It's pretty much like a lab designed, perfect donor demographic. Yeah. You know, and we've, we just recently um, did an independent research study um, here at One Cause. We, we do research typically two times a year and the research indicated that um, those generations are giving they're, they're definitely giving and they're giving just as much as the mature audiences are giving, if not more. So yeah. in my mind, if research is telling us that they are generous, they are philanthropic, they are giving, it would make sense that we should meet them where they are, make it as easy for them as possible. No different than accepting credit cards, right? You know, we, yeah. we, we're not forcing them to write checks, right? So we accept credit cards. Well, we also accept, you know, PayPal or, 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 or you know, Google Pay or Samsung Pay or, you know, Apple Pay, right? We're, we, we aspire to make it easy. We know that from tons and tons of research, meet them where they are, make it easy, mm-hmm. but now give them more options um, and- give them incentives on top of it, i.e. the, the, the tax impl- implication. So it, it just makes a world of sense to me right now. It didn't before we started talking, but it's certainly making a lot of sense to me now. So why wouldn't every nonprofit do this? Um, I guess yeah. would be my question. <laughs> I think it's, it's like a, a lot of things. It's early days of the internet where it's like, it feels like, Nonprofits get told with crypto and other stuff that it's um, overly complicated. If you see someone present, we went to a nonprofit conference that I'll leave unnamed recently and someone was presenting on crypto who wasn't us. They were talking about like what blockchain is and how a block gets added to it and like how mining works to authorize transaction records. Oh God, see that, if I, well, I am a nonprofit. I run a small nonprofit with my daughter yeah. outside of one cause and I'm shutting down right now. I'm just shutting you down. Should. Before I wasn't shutting down when we, you were like, oh, wow. Well. But now I am. So uh, let me, I because, didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you, but let's go no, continue with that. That's, that's, you, you should shut down because yeah. that's not, that's, it's people in crypto because it's new and nascent. They want to show you like how, how big and beautiful their brain is and explain uh-huh. how all these things work. But it's like, that's not how anything works. And nonprofits will say to us all the time, they'll be like, well, why would I accept crypto if I don't know it works? And it's like, I want to just be like, you don't know how anything works. And that's not enough. Neither do I. It's like, well, how does your microwave work? It's like, how does a piston fire in your car? What is Wi-Fi? It's like, it's all magic. Like, you don't know what's going on to make the TV go, True. go boom. You know, it's like all, all of this. People I think it's the remote control, control that I'm banging on the couch. Come <laughs> yeah. on, start working. You know, oh, yeah. I just have to replace the battery. Um, <laughs> So it's like, if you want to invest and you want to pick certain ones as an individual, like, yes, you should understand differences between certain ones and like, know what things you're Or what on. questions like, to ask, right? I guess yes. would be, yeah. Yeah. But as a nonprofit, like the, well, you, like the most important thing to understand is like, this is where people are investing. 83% of millennial millionaires are investing this way. It's just like high net worth, young individuals are investing in it because of the superior technical features of it. The fact that you can't make more of it, the fact that you can't change transaction records, like the underlying tech beneath it makes it just a really efficient financial system. But like, regardless of what you think about it, you can just accept it from people who are tax incentivized to give this way, have it automatically liquidate the U S dollars. Like, and then you can just walk away. It's like, it's a, it's a revenue source that it don't have yeah. worth tapping into regardless of like, if you accept Ford stock, it doesn't mean you think that's the best car company, like nonprofits confuse this issue. 
that's the main thing for, for not well, I mean, understand. It's, yeah. I mean, you really can just equate it to credit card. I don't know how credit card processing works. I don't know how, you know, privacy yeah. and security <laughs> and chips and like, I have no idea. It goes to a gateway and it gets charged and then it ends up, I do, I have no idea. All I know yeah. is I need to accept credit cards for sure. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of that, that same, same mentality. Um, and I guess that's where, well, I don't guess, I know that's where you come in. You're here. You've identified a revenue source for nonprofits and the giving block simply makes it easy. Is that fair? That's yeah, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two barriers to get over. One is the acceptance piece, which we were just talking about. The main barrier for that is like nonprofits just aren't thinking about it. It's like, if you talk to the average nonprofit about like how to mobile optimize a site, it's like, that seems complicated. It's like, no, you just have a firm that does that. It's, it's sure. relatively simple. That's our, our first thing that we saw for. And then the second thing, the, the other reason nonprofits um, often like aren't doing crypto is because you have to actively fundraise it to make it worth the time and energy. Um, nonprofits are looking at for uh, a simple revenue source, but it doesn't require you know, an additional thought process. I think people overestimate how much it takes in crypto. It doesn't. Most of our clients are small and mid-sized groups and they crush it. But yeah, that's the second piece. You need to be able to accept it, to make sure you accept it properly. And then there's the fundraising protocols, which is everything from how do you tell your audience that you accept it and along with Cadence, how do you use it to bring in new donors by plugging into, you know, external campaigns, publishing on social, like you can use it as a, a reason for younger donors to want to connect with you and engage with your audience. Then it's like, okay, what's there coming in? What's the conversion like process, right? Like how do you actually get a crypto donor to give and at what level and understand there's a tax implication and encouraging them to whitelist an address, whatever it might be. And then third is stewardship. So it's just basic stuff nonprofits wouldn't think about that we saw for where it's, you've got 80 donors who gave you five bucks in Bitcoin this year. It's like, those should all be major gift prospects until proven otherwise. Like they'll see the $5 amount, they'll send them an email that's like, hey, want to give us 10 bucks a month? It's like, don't do that because the five bucks in Bitcoin may have just been a high five. But if someone's sending you Bitcoin, and you're like, that's a, that's a great indicator, like what a wealth engine or something would tell you that you should probably go through a different um, like fundraising process with them and then stewardship process once they, they get into your system. So yeah. how do you accept it? How do you get out there and actually bring it in? And then how do you steward and, and build the relationships with the individual donors once they're into the system? Those are the three things we're just uniquely yeah. good at. Well, I mean, and it's coming, right? Like it or not, you know, you're, you're fundraising and um, this is, the direction that fundraising is going. So makes sense to cut. I mean, it is the future. It is the now probably. Um, so get ahead of it um, or, or get on board, you know, and I'm thinking back to the last two very difficult years that we've had with COVID. It seems to me that that the audiences that would be, um, you know, akin to, crypto giving are also the audiences that like digital communications. Mm -hmm. So the past two years could have been a little bit easier if a nonprofit was already there, there, right? Because, yeah. okay, you know, my event was canceled, but I'm going to focus on digital communications right now and crypto giving and that audience is ripe. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it might've made 
just soften the blow of COVID a little bit if we were there there. So let's learn that lesson and get ahead of it now or get on board with it now because it it is absolutely a future. I know at our RAISE conference um, coming up in September, just a couple of months, we're recording this um, in July. I know you'll be there. Your team will be there. Um, and thank you so much for, for supporting RAISE. But we have just a whole session on the future of fundraising. And that's what we're talking about, this type of, you know, this type of fundraising. So yeah. Um, yeah, get, you got to get on the train. Okay. So now what should we be asking, right? You broke it down. You're making sense. I'm with you. Hopefully our audience is with you. Um, I'm not have to ask you, like, I know we can't cover everything in this, in this one, you know, podcast, mm -hmm. but later we're going to, we're going to talk about how we get in touch with you because I'm sure there's burning questions, but let's talk about those questions first. What yeah. are the questions that a nonprofit should be asking when they are doing due diligence with the giving block or any crypto giving company? What, what should they be asking? What should they be looking for? Yeah, the, on the acceptance piece, it's super straightforward. There, there isn't a whole lot to ask. It's, there's usually things that um, nonprofits think matter, but don't. Like they matter to a company, just not to you as the nonprofit. So for instance, nonprofits would be like, which cryptocurrencies do we accept? And it's like, that's not... An issue for you that's an issue for us and the gemini exchange that plugs into our system in the same way that if you went to accept stocks you would accept what's on fidelity you wouldn't like have that list filtered down to like a certain subset of publicly traded assets so stuff like that um nonprofits get confused about the main question nonprofit needs to ask is not really from the solution standpoint um because the solution automatically converts it to us dollars automatically issues tax receipts the data is all there the main question is like the fundraising question so if a nonprofit is going to be adding crypto as an option, you want to think about like what this means for your teams. Because when you turn the lights on, you don't want to, a week before Giving Tuesday, for instance, start trying to come up with a crypto strategy. You want to be like, are we running ads on, on crypto? Are we trying to target that? Is this going to be part of our marketing strategy on social? Is this going to be like a, a subset of our Twitter strategy? Are we going to have a separate handle that's focused on crypto-specific fundraising? Which campaigns are we plugging into? Um, how are we going to announce this to our audience? How are we going to make sure that we keep that drumbeat going over time to make sure we don't miss crypto gifts over, you know, the 360 of a year? Um, it's really just kind of like, am I adding a crypto option and I just want crypto, no headaches, which is one subset of charities? Or if I'm doing the active crypto fundraising thing, what does that look like? And then a lot of that comes from just talking to nonprofits who do it. Like if you go to thegivenblock.com and you click donate, like you're a donor, you'll see we have 2,000 nonprofits in that aggregator. You can search by category. Like you can find any one of those nonprofits and like ping them and ask how they're approaching it. Or you can, you know, just ask our team directly for case studies and stuff like that. Um, that's the main thing. It's the, it's the fundraising strategy and protocols that becomes kind of how many degrees of effort you're going to be plugging in and in what order and why. If you're going to do it, do it right. Right. Get set, set up a good foundation. So. And um, so, how, well, okay. We, we have lots of questions, a lot more questions. So we're going to, um, how, how do we get in touch with you? Let, let, let's, how do we find you, your company, givingblock.com, LinkedIn, g give me all the place. Cause I'm sure people are driving their kids to school right now or getting their 30 minute power walk in or worked out. And they're like, okay, I got to make a phone call learn a little bit more. How can we access you? Yeah, it's, it's at the giving block across socials. Um, our website is thegivingblock.com. Again, if you go there, like the, the two primary things to do, 
um, would be just like read up and check out resources. And then the second thing would be to book a demo, like get an actual run through the technical solution. There's not a lot to it, but you should understand kind of like, where's the data going? How is it aggregated, et cetera? What does the transaction look like for MedDown? Because nonprofits have curiosities around that. And then the second reason the demo is important, it's like, that's where you bring your questions because the, the biggest issue for nonprofits or the folks at nonprofits who want to do crypto is they like broach a conversation internally sometimes as the crypto expert and just like confuse everybody. So like preparing for those conversations, we have like a team of people that can be like, I'm going to go, you know, talk to my board. I'm talking to my executive director, whoever it might be. Can you give me some ammunition for that conversation? If you're kind of the, the person who's trying to get this done, like we can. You're the champion. Yeah. To, you need, yeah. yeah, you need those need to build a case. So you help do that. That's yeah, powerful. So what does it look like working? I mean, is it, is it an initial consultation and then ongoing subscription? Are you with them for years? Is it a DIY? Do you have different levels? What are we getting into after we go to the givingblock.com? Yeah. The technical solution you'll see on the website, if you just go to givingblock.com and click donate, or you can just search like, you know, donate Bitcoin kids or whatever it might be. And you'll see, we, we literally search engine optimize, not only our pages, but the, the client's pages that you'll see save the children. Everyone come up on that. It's that same widget. It's just a copy and paste mobile sized widget that works the same on desktop and mobile. They just click the crypto they want to give, they get a wallet address and they send the donation there. It's just really clean and efficient. Um, and then you as the nonprofit, you know, you get pinged about donations coming in the email and then you just log into your dashboard. You can see the whole transaction record, how much crypto you've received in different amounts and why, and you just get ACH dollars sent to your bank account. Um, so that's what the solution looks like. It's just like you, you can paste that donation method anywhere you want on your site. The only thing we recommend is make a donate crypto page. Don't integrate crypto into your existing payments flow because it can cause friction and confusion. You don't want to be like, hey, 20 bucks a month with a credit card or a $30,000 tax offset gift where you need to talk to your advisor. It's like, I wouldn't mix those. Um, and then working with us from a relationship standpoint, we just have like different tiers of packages. And like our baseline one is 2,500 bucks a year. And then the average length of a client who's on our platform now is probably two plus years. Um, and then yeah, we have uh, almost just under now, but 99% retention. So just a good 99% retention. Everyone. Wow. You know, I love Almost. the transparency. Yeah. I got to tell you, I love the transparency. I think you're actually the first person on Raise Nation Radio who just came right out and plopped a price down there, you know, or, you know, uh, one tier. So that's kind of cool. I really appreciate just the, the level of, you know, you're very candid and very transparent. And I think that's exactly what nonprofits need, right? Just I, yeah. out like it is. And, you know, we're not hiding anything. So I appreciate I that. Yeah. yeah. And the, the two things tie together, which I think is important. Nonprofits are always looking for something free, which we thought about doing. You can, you can do a system where you, you make it free to set up and you just clip a ticket on the donations going through. The issue with that is then you have no responsibility to anyone. You know I mean, you can have five big nonprofits who do all your volume. And if the small ones fail, you couldn't care less, like from a revenue standpoint. So yeah. If you have a subscription model, like you literally have to make sure every nonprofit is successful and you make it as easy for them as possible or the business fails. So for nonprofits, when they're like, oh, it's a subscription, it's like, it's important to note that like, if that's what the business is built on, then like if we get paid and then you drop off or you know, half our clients are unhappy one year, the business 
goes under. So mm-hmm. you have to make sure everyone's experience individually is good, which I think is just a, a better way to build a company. Yeah. Um, I mean, your whole team is amazing. Um, it's a great culture that you've built. I know, I know our CEO loves you guys. Um, so um, really, you, yeah. yeah it, so where are you going to be? You know, we're, we're recording this in July. Got a whole H2 um, 2022 ahead of us. Where, you know, where can we find you just there's only so much you can cover in one podcast, but we're, you're going to be at the race conference in September. Yeah. So that's awesome. Where else are you going to be that we can find you in either online webinars? What, what other thought leadership opportunities do we have to learn more if people are just not ready to go to givingblock.com, but yet want a little bit more? Yeah, you, you can also, yeah, you can go to givingblock.com and like not talk to a salesperson. <laughs> I would go there no matter what to read just because like we, we have an annual report, we have an NFT report. There's just tons of stuff to be reading on. But like for me personally, I'll be, I'll be at Bridge uh, in DC. Um, I'll be at ANA in Chicago in, in August. Uh, I'm based out of Tampa if they're nonprofits who, you know, want to link up and get coffee. And then for like ongoing stuff, we have webinars. So we do them internally. We do a recurring series with, uh, which we just started last month, which is so fun, um, with the Giving Tuesday Foundation. Um, we do stuff with Neon, with, with y'all. I'm sure we have webinars and stuff coming up. But yeah, we, we do webinars very consistently. Good, 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 good. Okay, because I'm going to be joining them now. I, I, I burning desire to learn more. So where, where are we going? What do you see for crypto giving over the next couple of years, next five years? Where, where do you think it's going? Yeah, uh, the number, what's tough to put a number on it. So like in the last 12 months, we've done like a little over a hundred million in volume. Um, we're going to try to, over the next 12 months, do somewhere between like five and 700 million, just us as a, a platform, which we think is super doable. What's funny is like, We've done in the first six months of this year, about three times as much donation volume as the first six months of last year. And last year, the market was booming. And this year, the market's been terrible, which does have uh, some implications, but pretty much the reason for that is nonprofits are fundraising crypto more actively than ever because like we keep ramping them up. There's just a lot more voices, even to say the children has two million followers on Twitter, like the biggest drivers of this are actually nonprofits just fundraising it, where it's just like a lot of the volume is just young people who don't know about the tax incentive giving this way. And the number one educators are us and the nonprofits who work with them because advisors don't talk to them about it. It's it's a unique position to be in. But anyway, the number one barrier is is literacy on the donor side, which largely comes from nonprofits fundraising it. Right now, even at today's volume levels, it's like an amazing um category to be tackling but what unlocks kind of that that parabolic growth for it is definitely just tax literacy on the donor base eventually you hit a tipping point and it cuts loose to make it the multi-billion dollar donation method that it's proportionate to the market cap size right it's like a trillion dollar asset class like there's a lot of capital tied up in it so um that's the main thing the, the tax literacy bridge that we need to cross which we're spend a disproportionate amount of time on um and then for, I guess, like a, a giving trend, NFTs have been huge, not to like completely throw a grenade into the conversation because it's like another kind of complex idea. It's pretty much, it's it's like a unit of cryptocurrency, but instead that same hash is tied to a unit of art. It just allows you to verifiably know you have an original version of a digital piece of art. So that's the the idea behind NFTs. And what it, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Those auctions have been like the biggest, um, the fastest growing at least, uh, 
driver of donations for us, for sure. Like we have one project that just gave a little over a million um, and they're just auctioning off this art uh, online and they're sending the proceeds via crypto to nonprofits and nonprofits are partnering with all these artists and the proceeds are coming in. Platforms are building in a percentage of fees that go directly into charities and then artists are using what's called a smart contract to say, when my art gets flipped down the road, as it changes hands over time, at every sale, it's baked into the code that a nonprofit will get a cut of each sale moving forward. Like royalties. Cool. I mean, that's just yeah. sitting back doing nothing and letting money trickle in. Yeah, that's that's fun and cool. And it's, it's got this kind of more tangible feel to it. It's great social content because of the visual aspect. It's a great community builder because oh. it gets crypto donors into a room together to participate in that event, almost like this whole virtual movement, like you're saying, like Gallows, we just did an integration with Tiltify. Um, the NFT stuff has been, I, I think, one of the more exciting developments. Wow. I think we're going to have to have you back for a part two of Race Nation Radio just to talk about that, because I think yeah. you did throw a grenade into the conversation. <laughs> but it's just so interesting. I, I, we've just we just hit 40 minutes and I'm uh, like, ah, give me more, give me more. So I'm really looking forward to your team being at um, the Raise Conference for the future of fundraising uh, conversation. That'll be a great opportunity if you're out there listening to bring your questions and just to ask, you know, ask directly and and get some answers and get on the journey or the road to crypto giving. So, um, wow, really fascinating. You have to promise me, Pat, that you'll come back and we can talk about all of these other grenades that you're throwing into the conversation, please. Yeah, we definitely do. We can dig in a little bit more on like how crypto actually works, not getting into like the code base, but there's some basic functional stuff too that's just cool to know yeah. why, why it's so appealing to begin with. Well, thank you so much for just breaking it down, making it not seem so overwhelming and scary and, you know, just making sure that the future of fundraising is protected and healthy and that we're meeting donors where they are and we're staying, you know, ahead of the curve. I mean, it's coming like it or not. So um, might as well just expand your donor base, expand your um, options towards profitability and um, use the giving block to make it easier. Right. It's that easy, actually. Why would you not? Well, yeah, I, I love that question. Why would you not? Well, let's see. Fearless fundraisers, I hope you're thinking the way we're thinking. Um, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening, but Pat's going to come back. We're going to talk more. Um, we do hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's Thursdays, new releases, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and just listen to any channel that you like best. We stream on 11 channels and on demand at onecause.com. You'll be able to get notifications on all these great topics and um, the fundraisers that are doing amazing things to building better tomorrows for our communities. All the stories are all inspiring. You don't want to miss a single one. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with their donors. Be sure to check One Cause out at onecause.com. Visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of eBooks and webinars and podcasts that you'll find very helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guest, Pat from The Giving Block for sharing that expert and authentic and transparent voice on crypto giving. Um, thank you so much for being here with us today. I 
fascinated by our conversations. Can't wait to have you back. But any last words of inspiration for our fearless fundraising audience? Words of inspiration. I was supposed to be prepared for this. Um, it's okay. I, I, yeah, I put people I think, on the spot all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, the main thing would be like crypto, just like, and it's one of many technical, like innovative things that that's worth exploring. I think it's important for nonprofits to have kind of like a trend investigation plan and then to, to stick with it. It's like a thing we talk about with the Tory from Save the Children, but like put them on the board, you know, look at the different ways that it can increase your base, increase your revenue, long-term bets, short-term bets, and like keep that list and then think about like how hard it is to actually tap into things and just keep moving toward them. Nonprofits, I think, forget that innovation is kind of like a muscle group. They start kind of getting happy with their existing strategies and then they get hit with a brick like what happened with COVID and you're not yes, able to yes. adjust because the muscles are all atrophied. Like if you're not experimenting with things all the time, you get bad at that. And then when you actually need to adapt to something, you're just incapable of doing it. So I think it's important for nonprofits, even if you're not able to throw a bunch of things that you, you should have a list that you're constantly evaluating and you're always just taking a stab at something, even if it's, you know, baby steps, it, it prepares you to do that when you absolutely need to, which eventually will happen. Yeah, I think that's a new way of saying it. Don't let your muscles get atrophied. I mean, that's that's what we've been saying, you know, all along. Um, We were certainly caught blindsided there. And um, this is a way to not be caught, you know, so blindsided. So that's that's a cool way of putting it. Um, Yeah. I think just being prepared for the future um, and I keep saying the future, but I know it's the now, right? So we have to stop thinking, thinking that way. And thank you for making it, you know, just easier. So um, I love your other point, like why not? So, all right, we're going to continue the conversations um, on our next, uh, on an upcoming episode. I hope you'll join us again. We'll see you at Ray's. Um, Thanks again so much. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay, so our, to our audience, that is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. 